Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. So for all of you that, for Dragon and for Darlene, who wanted love, and Abigail, who wanted joy, and Joey, who wanted intelligence, that is what you're seeking, and God is the source of that. God is the source of that. So the theme for this month is establishing conscious community. And it seemed like the right theme, as I said a few weeks ago. This seemed like the right theme since we were going to see Beck. And so I started reading Daring Greatly. And... In that, Brene Brown says, connection is why we are here. We are hardwired to connect with others. That's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. Without it, there is suffering. And, and there is less connection than we've had, and there's more connect. And there seems like, I'm just, this is me looking at stuff. Seems like there's more suffering. And it seems like we're less connected. Now that's Kathy Ann looking out and having an opinion. (laughs) The difference between me and Brene Brown is that she goes and does the research. And she interviews and interviews and interviews and interviews. And what she says is that she's got over 200,000 pages of data that she's collected that supports this idea that we are less connected than we've been and we're suffering more than we have. Depression, loneliness, anxiety is on the rise. And one of the things that she said is that it's community, it's us belonging together and healing together that is it's like the antidote to that. So I'm going to um, get real depressing and then we'll go up from there. Is that okay? <laughs> Let's start at a low. <laughs> because she does. And all of her books is like, oh, bleh. <laughs> And then, then, then there's the antidote. So uh, when she, she writes in Braving the Wilderness, which will be the book study that it will be happening at Seabeck, she writes, when it comes to belonging, I asked, what are people trying to achieve? What are they worried about? And the answer is surprisingly complex. They want to be part of something, to experience real connection with others, but not at the cost of their authenticity, their freedom, or their power. Participants further reported feeling surrounded by us versus them. And uh, and those are cultures that create feelings of spiritual disconnection. When I dug deeper into what they meant by spiritual disconnection, the research participants described a diminishing sense of shared humanity. Wow. Over and over again, the participants talked about their concern that the only thing that binds us together is a shared fear and disdain. Not common humanity, not shared trust, not respect or love. They reported, feelings more, they reported feeling more afraid to disagree and debate with friends, family, and colleagues because of lack of civility and tolerance. Let's just take that in, and how many of you would say that even though she did the research and she's got 
no, over 200,000 pages of research on this, how many of you would say that, yeah, I think she's probably right? How many of you have experienced this, if not around your own family, kitchen table, but maybe just in the news or social media or whatever? Well, <laughs> let's move on. <sighs> the world feels less, I'm sorry, the world doesn't feel less. The world feel, feels highly lonesome and brokenhearted to me right now. We've sorted ourselves into factions based on our policies, politics, I'm sorry, politics and ideology. We've turned away, away from one another and towards blame and rage. We're lonely and untethered and scared, so damn scared. One of the things I shared before is that she believes that 9-11 was um, such a traumatic shock for us that we're all in post-traumatic shock. And how many of you know people that are, have been in post-traumatic shock? A little thing will just, they overreact. Well, we're having some overreactions. Just, I'm, I'm, I will put something out on just this overreaction. And one woman said she really loved our church, loved everything about us. The, the philosophy, everything was great, except we used the word God. And that was, that was a deal breaker for a church. And, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, that is normal if we are reactionary. And we're reactionary because of something that happened that we didn't come together and heal from. And therefore, we continually get triggered. In AA, it's, there's a, a, a well, I think on all recovery, um, not just AA, but in recovery, there's a term that says, if it is hysterical, it's historical. But it may not be historical like our history. It could be our collective history that we're living from and in and out of. That's making us incredibly reactionary and therefore protective. And more and more isolated with people who think just like us until they do something. But rather than coming together and sharing our experiences through song and story, we're screaming at one another and going further and further away from one another. Rather than dancing and praying together, we're running, running, we're running from one another. Rather than pitching wild and innovative new ideas that could potentially change everything, we're staying quiet and small in our bunkers and yet loud in our echo chambers. When I look through the 200 thousand plus pieces of data my team and I collected over the last 15 years, I can only conclude that our world is having a collective spiritual crisis. This is especially true if you think about the core of the definition of spirituality. Now she's going to give her definition of spirituality. It's a definition of spirituality. I happen to like it, so I'll share it. It's not necessarily mine, but it's a good one. It's a good definition. Spirituality is the recognition and celebration that we are inexplicably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us and that our connections to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Spirituality is the recognition and celebration we're all connected to something greater than, each, than ourselves and, and each other. 
that's her definition. And I frankly love it. I think it's great. Um, so she lays out the problem. We feel disconnected. We're having a spiritual crisis. And then she lays out four things that we could do to get through that. And I'm going to paraphrase them because I paraphrase everybody. I think it's because I'm dyslexic and I have a hard time reading exact words. So it's going to sound like a paraphrase anyway. But if I paraphrase Jesus and Ernest and Emma and everyone else, why not paraphrase Brene Brown? So you can do four things to move out of this sense of isolation and disconnection and a spiritual crisis. The first one is move close to people you hate. Mumble, 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 mumble. <laughs> Two, be civil while you call bullshit on bullshit. Three, reach out to strangers. Four, be paradoxically soft yet strong. And whatever felt the most uncomfortable for you, that's probably your assignment. But I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there because she is still working at the level of mind See, there's spirit, mind, and body, and what we've discovered is that mind has an incredible influence, if not control, it's all in your belief system, of the material world. Mind has influence or control, wherever you, however you are on that spectrum, of what's happening in your body and in your world of affairs. But I think sometimes as metaphysicians, beyond the physical, we get stuck in mind. And then we fight mind or try to change mind. How many of you have tried to change your mind and been incredibly successful at it? One, two, three, four. How many of you have tried to change your mind and you haven't been successful at it? See, it's all, you know, it's all a spectrum. And what she's doing when she asks us to do these things, and it's beautiful and it's a great program, it's still working at the level of mind. Um, but that since this is the center for spiritual living, we'll look, look at the level of spirit. Because spirit trumps mind, which trumps the physical, material world, our body. And sometimes I think that we try to make ourselves better to make ourselves spiritual or that we would deserve a spiritual answer, or that we would deserve having it be easy. I spoke to someone last week who was having a crisis, and it was a big crisis because they knew who they should be and could be. How many of you know who you should be and could be? You know that you, know that you could be more loving. How many of you know you could be more loving, more optimistic, more positive, more giving, more contributing? You know, you know that, and then you're not. What was happening with her is she knew it, but she couldn't do it. And then made her even matter, and made her feel less empowered. I mean, so she was in a spiral. I could, should, would, but I can't, won't, won't happen. It just, it just wasn't happening. And so there was this fight with herself because it was all happening on the mental level until I finally just said, well, how about God? Oh, that word. Or spirit or universe or whatever. How about taking it up a notch? 
and letting spirit do the work. That's what I want to talk about. Because frankly, we as human beings face things that we as human beings can't manage. And yet something in the universe can. And spirituality is knowing that we can connect with that something greater than ourselves and let it do the work or, or the manifestation or the whatever, however you want to call it. So I want to use the words and the inspiration of spiritual masters and let heaven have its way with you. Let love have its way with you. Let intelligence have its way with you. Let joy have its way with you. Love have its way with you. The first of the month, I started out with a teaching from the master rabbi Jesus, only his name was probably Yahshua, the master rabbi Yahshua, who when asked what the highest commandment was, and they had a lot, he said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy being. And we talked about courting that presence, courting that connection, because we are connected, but to actually try to be conscious of the connection. To, be court, to court something greater than ourselves is to just open ourselves up to a realization of the connection that's already happening, and it's called love. So we started there. And then he said, Rabbi Yahshua said, and the second is likened to that, and that is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, that was probably a big enough assignment back in the day when neighbors were in your village because most people didn't leave their village. There were some merchants that would go back and forth, but most people were born and died in their village. Most people stayed where they were and knew everyone around them that was an extended family. We had little, little pockets. And there were soldiers and merchants that would go back and forth and share the news from over the hill, but most people didn't go over the hill. The over the hill was just hearsay. But we're not that way anymore. Not only can we fly most places and travel a lot, we are now within inches of our iPhone that tell us everything that's happening in Afghanistan. There is no over there. It's right here. They are our neighbors. We are in a global village where no one is outside of us and we are to love them. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. <laughs> and I sometimes, and it, you know, I'm just laughing because um, I have this neighbor who loves to drive down our road in front and have a Confederate flag flying hit from his um, pickup. And he's our closest neighbor. <laughs> I love, love, I love God. Hey, Kathy Ann, think how, how just exactly loving are you, girlfriend? Anyway, so. <laughs> More on that later. Because, but I'm going to start with love thy neighbor as thyself. We need to start with ourself. And a lot of us see ourselves not from the inside out, like I am joy, I am love, I am intelligence. Instead, we see what we produce. 
We, we are like little human vending machines. I had this much output today. No output, no worth. We seem to, be a we seem to value ourselves by what we can do. We are human doings. Oh. So I want to shift that a little bit, and perhaps we're not here to always do. Perhaps we're here to evolve in a conscious awareness of a platitude that people use, which is we're spiritual beings having a human experience, whereas I've noticed most people are very, very human, telling themselves they're spiritual, instead of really deeply courting that spiritual connection and then evolving out of that, evolving in my ability to love, evolving in my ability to be intelligent, and evolving in my ability to have joy for no reason. Uh, I'm not doing the class, but I, I created a class called Self Mastery, and I, I encourage you to take it because the whole class is about living from the inside out and seeing that every opportunity is an opportunity to learn. Therefore, every opportunity is an opportunity to grow, and that as a spiritual being, we are here to grow our realization of our true self in form. We are here to bring spirit into form and learn how to do that. Because most likely, unless, except for the Dalai Lama, who once he was accepted back into, you know, found and raised by monks and told every day that he was compassion incarnate, unless you were told you're compassion in, and love incarnate, most of us were not raised to know that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so we have to let spirit reteach us. And we have to love ourselves in the process. Because part of learning is also flubbing up. Part of loving is, well, I wish I hadn't said that. And I won't say that again. I will learn from that experience. Uh, last week I wasn't here. I was at a horse show. And, and I did pretty well uh, twice. I got two second places. I was out of a field of 15, and I was really happy. It's, I was really happy, and I got a fourth and a fifth, and I got a whole bunch of dead lasts. Dead lasts. And there was a part of me that said, this is too expensive to come in last. <laughs> but I learned more from last than I did when I got a second. I learned... And that's what we are. We're, we're, when Jesus said, I love this, I'm so getting it now. You must become as little children if you're going to enter the kingdom. And children are always learning. They're trying, they're experimenting. They fall down, they get back up. They touch that, don't, won't do that again. But no, we isolate ourselves and we protect ourselves and we don't want to look foolish. And so we stop expanding into new territory. You're expanding into new territory. Ooh, you know, it's just, you know, it's not good enough to be just a beautiful singing, singing songwriter. No, new territory. Well, this is what we do. This is what we do as human beings. And in the process, we have to love all aspects of ourselves. How many of you have a thing that you try to keep secret that you don't like about yourself? How many of you have a thing? Of, yeah, okay. That too has to be loved connected with, embraced, brought in. 
I'm going to give you the, the end result of an hour and a half process. I think you were there, Ray. It was at the deep listening retreat. And people have been deep listening for about two days. And when you deeply listen, stuff shows up. And there's stuff that we don't like. And wow, i got to correct that and correct this. And yet when we were done, what everyone could see and I could see, and I could see for them, is that everything that we don't like still had a good intention. It's an aspect of ourself that may have been unskilled and may be, need to, may be needing some redirection, but the intention had been good. All parts of us have a good intention. And to embrace that makes us more whole. You know, Ernest Holmes has this saying that I am whole, complete, and perfect because God is whole, complete, and perfect. And then we, out of our more intelligent experience of being a human, says to God, oh, I'm not. I'm not whole, complete, and perfect. Look at this, and look at this, and look at this. And yet, in spirit, we are seen as whole, complete, and perfect. There's something very perfect about me being shy. There's a perfect part of me that controls. (laughs) But it won't be if I try to deny it, but if I can bring the whole tribe in, then we can work together and I become more whole. Nothing missing, nothing wrong. I'm complete, I'm perfect, and I know that for each and every one of you, I know that. So I want you to just have the benefit of a bunch of people who discovered that and just get the download of consciousness now. That's love. Love yourself, then you can go on to the neighbor. Even the neighbor you disagree with. Even though the neighbor that you know is really, really wrong. Even the neighbor that you might call an enemy. The origin in Aramaic for, um, for enemy was just out of sync. Those people you're out of sync with. I'm going this way, I'm going, they're going that way. And some of us can get so holy. Oh, we're just on a different path. Obviously, if they knew better, they'd do better. <laughs> How many of you have ever thought that? It sounds holy, doesn't it? It's still a judgment. It's a judgment. And love doesn't judge. Now, here's the, here's the thing. It's hard not to judge. As a human being, it's really hard to squint so much that I don't see the bullshit going on. No, but I was just thinking instead of a groundhog, we should have a mole for a mascot sometimes, you know, because we just, we just, uh, we know we're not supposed to, but we don't know how not to. Can you agree with that? Can you agree that there, that love is inclusive? Love, love is like the parent who's one-year-old has gotten hold of crayons and created a masterpiece on the living room wall. They really, you wish they hadn't, but you can't not love them. That's love. You wish that they didn't fly that flag, but you can't not love them. 
But here's the deal. I find it hard sometimes to be in the place where I know I'm supposed to be. I was like my friend that I was talking to last week. I have been there so many times, and this is it. We let God love through us. Spiritual reality and activity can control mind activity like mind activity can control material activity. I've done this so many times, and I've told stories about it, but I wanted to use the words of um, a great New Thought mystic, Joel Goldsmith, because he talks about this very thing, like, I can't do this. It is so easy to say that there's good and that there's evil, that there's God and then there's not God. But when a person or circumstance claims to have power over us, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. Meaning, I can't be happy with that. That thing has power over you. I can't be happy with that person. That person has power over you. He goes on to say that he, he had to claim to himself that my being is in Christ, and as long as I maintain my being in Christ, only Christ can operate in my consciousness. Christ must form my thoughts. And otherwise, in other words, when you look out at this world and see persons or circumstances claiming to have power over you for good or evil, you again must acknowledge that your being is in Christ, or what I would say is in God. And only the Christ-inspired can have any influence on your affairs. Several years ago, I had a period of distress, and it came to me that I must love those who hate me. How many of you have somebody that hates you? Yeah. God, you're an enlightened group of people. There's only 30% of you have anybody that hates you? How about just, just don't like you much? Okay, now Mark. So I just want to know, otherwise I'm wasting my words, Okay. Here we go. I must give love for ingratitude. And my answer was, Father, hmm, I just can't do it. Joel Goldsmith, talking to God. This, I love it. If Joel Goldsmith can talk this way, I can talk this way. He's talking to God. He says, Father, I just can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Yes, I can be a hypocrite and say that I love these people who are hating, condemning, and judging, and fighting me. But I can tell you truthfully that I don't. I don't love them. I don't know how to love them. I don't know how to love those people that don't do what I do. I don't know how to love those people that say that what I do is wrong. I don't know how to love those people that don't vote the way I do. I don't know how to love those people that are doing this thing and it's, it's you know, like how many of you have got those people? Just, who's a, who's a that? Good. Just let's all have one. It is true that I have no antagonism towards them. Isn't that great? I'm not antagonistic. I don't wish them ill. <laughs> oh, except for you. Okay, there. That's good. <clears throat> because I know that because I know that what motivates them and I might do the same. I do not blame them. If I did not have a little understanding of your infinite love, I might do the same thing in their position. So I have no sense of judgment, no criticism, and no condemnation. Doesn't that feel like that's a good thing? To have no sense of criticism, condemnation, or uh, judgment towards somebody? I'd take that. So he says, Joel Goldsmith says, I've got that, but I don't love him. 
I can even say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But to love them? No. Mm -mm. I cannot honestly say that I love them. I just not, I, I, I can't do it. If there is to be any loving, I'm perfectly willing to be the avenue through which you, God, love them through me. If that can be arranged, let's have it that way. Don't ask me to love them because it is beyond my capacity. It was less than a minute after I had said that that I settled down into a deep, beautiful peace. I went to sleep and awakened completely healed. All I could do, all I knew, all I felt was love. So what is it that you have a hard time loving? It could be a, an experience, a condition, a circumstance. It could be a could be a part of your body, it could be a part of your family setup, it could be uh, the world in general. And are you willing to have God love through you? I don't see any hands. A few of you. Are you? <laughs> you know, there's, there's an old saying that I really like, which is, would you rather be right or healed? Who would like to surrender to love today? You don't have to. But man, it might feel good. Because an open heart is a generous heart, is a healed heart, is a joyful heart, is a courageous heart that is an epicenter for goodness. And so I just give thanks that for each and every person willing, the Spirit of God has been waiting to reveal to us mentally and physically its love. So I give thanks that God's love now flows through us to bring together all those pieces and parts, all those things and aspects of ourselves that we have judged and wanted to push away, and yet they didn't go away because they're a part of us. I give thanks that that love now glues us back together so that we experience ourselves as whole, complete, and perfect as we are, as we were created, unique. We are to be who we are to be. And now we take that love, that love that is flowing through us because it is the very love of God. It is the recognition and conscious connection with what has always been happening. And what's been happening is God. God's what's happening now. And that now realization flows through us so that we can love what we have perceived as unlovable. We are lifted above the judgments and the accusations and the, the criticisms. We are lifted, lifted, lifted into a state of love that heals and reveals wholeness, not just for ourselves and our family and our friends and our community, but for the world itself. We are the place where God shows up. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And I say, thank you, sweet spirit, that this day we say yes to love and then we just watch. That's called the high watch, brothers and sisters. Say yes to love and then watch. Watch, watch, wow, 
wow, wow, wow. And so it is.